Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. I want to share with you a, a novel. Actually, it's turned into a BBC show, uh, a TV series. Uh, it's called Jonathan Strange and Mr. Noro. Alright, uh, I, I read about this because uh, I was reading a book and they were talking about this and I just wanted to, I, I, just, I was reading it and, and it caught my, my attention and my heart and I just wanted to share with you. In Suzanne's Clark Wonderful's uh, fairy tale, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Noro, she tells a story about, uh, about the rediscovery of magic in England uh, in the 19th century. Alright, so I know we don't talk about magic here in this house, but just... You know, uh, follow me with this. All right. In the beginning of the tale, magic has vanished from England, and uh, and and it remains part of the English folklore, like the story of King Arthur. But no one actually practiced magic anymore for many years. Nonetheless, there were men who called themselves magicians. They did so in spite of the fact that not one of these magicians had ever cast the smallest spell, nor by magic caused one lift to tremble upon a tree. Nor by magic cause one mote of dust to change its course, or cause one hair to grow uh, out of uh, a person's head. Uh, but with, even with this uh, minor reservation, they enjoyed a reputation as one of the wisest and most magi- magical gentlemen of Yorkshire. And these magicians, they spend their time in lengthy arguments about theoretical um, magic and debating the use of this spell over that spell, nitpicking the details of magic's history in England, meeting once a month, and reading long down papers to one another, the idea of actually practicing magic was actually vulgar. And then Mr. Noro showed up, and he cast the spell that made all the statues in Yorkshire's cathedral come to life. They started singing and shouting, and then the magicians of Yorkshire's were basically speechless. The world that they had believed was far different. I couldn't help but to identify with the magicians in this story because I, as a Christian, I read about, you know, uh, Sam, David fighting Goliath, one rock killing a giant. I, I read about all these crazy stories. My life as a Christian had left me with a certain amount of fluency with faith uh, I could keep up in conversations about church, about the history of the Bible, different stories. I recently even realized, uh, recently come to know of a character called Rhoda. Somebody made a rap about it. Man. <laughs> you know, I could even talk to you about worship, you know, when we come and gather and the presence of God would come, you know. And how you would string a couple of songs and people would throw their hands up in the air for Jesus. But I feel like in those moments, I still find that there's a gap between knowing and know-how, between what I knew I could say about my faith and what I could do with it. There is often a divide between where we are now as a community of believers and what he had looked like in the days of Acts or even in periods of revival. Today I want to talk to you about something that I'm growing in, learning, understanding, something that I've been pursuing for the past eight years. Actually, even from the moment I came to know Jesus, something that has been on my heart. And this, the length and the magnitude of this is, is still growing in me. And I'm, I'm, I, I come as a, a, a student of this. I, I don't think I've known everything, but I want to encourage us today 
to pursue this, to pursue and ask ourselves this question. What is the gospel in 2019? What is the gospel in 2019? Shall we pray? Father, today we have uh, the greatest privilege of sitting in your presence. And Lord, we just thank you, Father, that Lord, that we get to come and lift high your name. And Lord, we pray that today that you let your word uh, be shown into our hearts. And let, would you water it? Would you grow it? Would you allow it to, uh, would you allow it to grow a plant? and bear much fruit, that you will, it will bear 64, 100 fold, that you will bear much fruit. Lord, we pray that, Lord, that you would, uh, that you would speak into our hearts, that you would, that you would circumcise our hearts, that you will lead us, even, and let it not be, be the power of my words, but let it be the, the conviction uh, that, that comes by the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we invite you here today. Come Holy Spirit. Yeah, we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 See, in order to understand the gospel, we need to start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. No? Nobody? All right. <laughs> or at least that's what we believe was the beginning of the gospel. At least what I believe is the beginning of the gospel. In, and, and if you have your Bibles with you, wave it like you just don't care. All right? How many of you still traditionalists? Yeah, hey. Alright, if you got your electronically charged uh, Bibles, yep, yep, there we go, there we go. Alright, this is not an Instagram scrolling moment, yeah? Use, yeah, no, okay, I'm kidding. Uh, I, they, they have been paid to uh, allow me to throw the darts at them, alright, I'm kidding. Alright, so if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. If you don't have your Bibles, it's up on the screen as well, so... Uh, you know, I'm just getting you to do some workout this morning, right, just to flip the Bibles... How, Fast fingers, fast fingers, yeah? Fast fingers. All right, Matthew 24, uh, sorry, Matthew 4, chapter, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. All right, we here? We here. All right. All right, everybody here? Everybody's there. All right. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, they, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and, be, and beyond the Jordan. All right, everybody's still alive today? So here, here is Jesus beginning his ministry, and he begins in Galilee. And, uh, and, and if, you, if you read uh, in Matthew's gospel, just before this, he had just called the disciples to leave their boats and to come with him. And this begins his ministry of preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And if you see the scripture of Jesus' ministry, he went everywhere in Galilee, he taught in the synagogue, he shared and preached the good news, he healed all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among people, and he was famous. See, Jesus was, both, it was, was famous throughout all the series that people would gather from, from even beyond the Jordan to come and, and bring the sick to him so that he may, they may get healed. See, it, it looks like a great time and a good time to be on the Jesus party bus today. 
at, at, at that point in time. And it was the fulfillment of Scripture in, in, in Isaiah 61 that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon him uh, to anoint him, to preach good tidings to the poor, to, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the opening of the prison to those who are bound. That looks like a fun time to be a Christian, right? Those were good days, man. And, and everybody would be like, yeah, I, I totally want to be a Christian. I totally want to just be on the, on, the, on the Jesus party bus. And, and, and I ask myself today, in this context, in today's, in where we are at, as a Christ-following disciples, how is that different? How do I preach the gospel like Jesus did? And it's been a question that I've been, I, I, I've been, I've been, I've been putting on my life for the past eight years. One morning, I just asked myself, what is the gospel? And I couldn't find language for it. I know, and so I, I just you know when you have, don't have language for something or you don't have like, answers to something, you just keep it at the back of your head, right? And you don't really think about it until somebody asks you again and then you're like, oh yeah, I should think about it. I should really, really consider putting some thought into it. And so, past, the past four days, I've really been intensely <laughs> researching this. So, bear with me. This is what I have understand uh, researching out from my bed. Uh, I am a little fluey, so we won't have any like bodily ministry from me later <laughs> just not you know i just want to protect you all right <laughs> but i've <laughs> i've come to understand that the, the, the after my research that the, that the gospel is not as simple as it seems but yet in the same manner it should be simple because it was made available for anybody for the rich and for the poor for the the wise and intelligent and for the those who were not educated all of the this, all of the, most of the disciples that followed Jesus were not educated. They were fishermen. Some of them, I mean, if you were higher on the, on the education list, you'd probably be a tax collector. You know, but most of them were not educated. And so this gospel was supposed to be easy for us to understand. But yet, as I do more research and I, and I study the times and the different length and, and where we have come, it's not as simple. But follow me and I hope I can take you on a journey today and eventually we will... You, that you will derive to your, on your own self of what the gospel is for you. Shall we do that? Yeah. Awesome. All right, so first we begin with the Greek word, right? All right, that's what, that's what it means to preach. All right, the gospel came from a Greek word called you, you angelon. Your angelon. That sounds like a really nice name to name your son. All right. Leogion means literally means good news, and in the New Testament, it refers to the announcement that Jesus has brought the reign of God to our world through his life, through his death, and through the resurrection from the dead. So it's as simple as these three things. The gospel can be wrapped up in his in his life and his death and his, his resurrection. But if Jesus wasn't dead yet or haven't resurrected, why was he? preaching the gospel of the kingdom to the people, what would that look like? Right? What would that look like? I will talk more about that as we go along. But, you know, and so I decided to ask myself if I were to break that down today and fundamentally ask ourselves if I have to preach the gospel to somebody on the bus, right? Today, the Lord speaks to me, share the gospel with somebody. I could sum it up into five points. Firstly, there is a God and He is holy. He created humanity in his likeness for companionship to rule the earth. But because of Adam's, uh, and that's point number one, God is holy. Number two, however, because of Adam's disobedience, we choose to take wisdom into our own hands and we find ourselves perverted by sin. You are a sinner. Cue the part where you talk about, you know, when you break the vase, you know, 
you learn how to lie, no. You just lied. So, you know, you had sin in you. You know, everybody used that, right? When you, when you ever, like, if we first reach, somebody preached the gospel to you, they always say, when you break the bus, do you, do you, did anybody teach you how to lie? No, you just learn how to. Right? Who? Okay, anyway. So the penalty of your sin is death. We are sinners. We are sinners. There, there is nothing, that we are so inherently, like, we just think of ourselves all the time and we are sinners. And, and, and number three is this, and Jesus paid the price that no man could pay. Because of man's constant disobedience, we cannot come near to God, but he longs for communion with man. So Jesus, the Son of God, chose to be born through a virgin uh, woman called Mary, taking humanly form to pay the price for to pay for the price only a man can pay. No more goats, no more lambs, and no more birds were killed. Um, well. He came to atone for the sin of the whole world, yours and mine included. Not only was it paid through his death, it was broken through his resurrection from the grave, making him the firstborn in resurrection. And number four, we come into a relationship with God by receiving Jesus through verbal acknowledgement of Him as our Lord and Savior, for now you are saved by His grace through faith. Not saved by your own striving, but saved by His grace. And lastly, you are now a follower of Jesus. You fall under His Lordship. You are under His, you are under his kingdom and you live in His kingdom waiting for His return. If I could simply sum up the gospel, if we have to preach to somebody the gospel today, that would be that five points. And all of us acknowledge these five points and agree that we are all of that, yeah? So now that's the end of my sermon. Take this news and spread it to the ends of the earth. Faster sermon, man. I am killing this. <laughs> see, this is what we believe that the disciples were taught to do, but what we fail to see is that they were the first of Jesus' followers and beyond the good news that was shared, it was the guilt it was the good news that was lived. They did not realize that out of their way of living, see, it, it, it was called the way of Jesus. It was not the, the preachings of Jesus or, or the talkings of Jesus, but it was the way of life that they, they would begin a movement. See, the gospel did not end with the resurrection of Jesus. Instead, the good news is a continuous, constant invitation to a life with Jesus. It was not just a good news that was spoken, but a good news that was lived and shared. On the day of Pentecost, the Jews were all gathered back in Jerusalem. So if you were wondering why there was so many tongues and like of different languages, because after the, after the Jews were sent out in exile, on the day of Pentecost, they all gathered uh, back in Jerusalem. And suddenly the, 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 and the disciples were also gathered in the upper room and the Spirit of God fell on them, laying on them tongues and fire. And they began to share what Jesus had done, the cruelty he had received, and his resurrection. And 3,000 followed the way of Jesus on that day. Many saw all that they had in abundance and gave to those who were in need. They lived as communities, creating temples in home, breaking bread, learning from the apostles on how to, wait, how to live the way of Jesus. It was the beginning of a revolution that would change the nation. Shortly after this, as all of them were gathered in homes, and, I mean, you know, when you have a good thing that's happening, there's always going to be somebody who's not going to be too happy about where that's going, right? And so, Stephen, 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 was martyred, and Saul of Tar 
Tarsus was converted into Paul, uh, was converted and he changed his, uh, into his Roman name, which is Paul. The gospel was presented to the Gentiles. Communities of Jesus people movement began spreading by the thousands across the Middle East, first from Jerusalem, then to Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Moving into Middle East, Europe, and Asia, many preached the gospel until death. Thank you. I'm, I'm preaching right there. I'm preaching right there. That movement is so powerful. And when I take that and I compare to what we have today, it feels like there is a mismatch. Is it because... The context is different. Is it because life is different today? I don't think that the problems that we face are any different. I don't feel that the gospel today and the gospel of yesterday has changed. I don't think that, I don't think that any of our, the things that we are struggling with, with the sin that we are in, is anything new. I mean, I'm sorry, but the devil didn't try to create a new sin for us. Right? You know, we're like, oh, new generation, let's make a new sin. No, it's actually uh, just... It just adapted itself, like, a, like a how a parasite will adapt itself, how a virus will adapt itself. In the same way, the sin and, and, and the thing that's holding us back from the gospel just adapts itself and pulls us away. It's still taking away our attention, taking our desire from God, moving us far away from Him. So the gospel hasn't changed much. The, 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 the distraction hasn't changed much. And society might have a different look, but the needs of the people remain the same. So is it because that we choose to allow our response to be more based on relevance, acceptance, and have it become something easy and cost-free that people can swallow easily? Can I tell you that the gospel requires 100% of surrender, 100% of belief, and 100% of faith? It is, by, it is through faith, it is through grace, it is by faith. It's by faith, true grace. No, it's by grace, true faith. Sorry, that's just on my head. That we are saved. So may I interest you in what the good news might look like today and perhaps like me, you might find yourself on that list. First, we must break down and look, and look intently into what does, what does the gospel look like in our day and age and, and really break down for everybody what, where we... Kind of which category do you fall under? We're cool? I know I'm a storyteller. I'm going to tell you the story closer towards the end. But you just got to follow me along for a little while, all right? Paul encourages the church in Corinth saying, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And all things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. Jesus declared, Behold, I make all things new. What is mesmerizing about the gospel in the early church remains to be mesmerizing today. People who are captivated by the story of Jesus and how his love create communities where all people are treated as equals regardless of ethnicity, gender, or economic status. These people form new families that would if they would eat together, live sacrificially, and took care of the poor. Even in Galatians, what was, what was funny was that after the... I mean, this side story, right? I would just read, like, you know, have to intensely read your Bible. Uh, what was in interesting is that 
that the apostles would oftentimes encourage one another and remind one another to remember the poor. Remember the poor. And, and Peter would say to Paul that after the first meeting uh, and where the apostles finally accept um, Paul who, who once persecuted them and, and in their leaving thoughts to him, they said to him, remember the poor. And see, the poor was oftentimes a part of, a conversa- a part of the conversation of the, when, when it comes to preaching the good news. And in this new kingdom, everybody was once again leveled to be on the same playing field because they no longer live under the kingdom of this world, but they live under the kingdom, a new king, Jesus, and all things were made new. That's good news, man. That's good news. Yeah, even for us who, are, who have been Christians for many years, like every day when you wake up, you, that reminder that you're no longer part of this world, but you live under a kingdom of God in heaven, and there is a kingdom that is going to be established on the earth, and all things are being made new every day. And when you look at the people around you, no matter how, uh, how much they struggle, that they, there is a hope because all things are being made new. Even in, 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 in Revelation 21 verse 5, which I just talked about, Jesus declared, Behold, I make all things new. That's the kind of kingdom that we live in. It's a kingdom in which things are being made new all the time because once we are in Christ, we are a new creation and our past have been washed away. This is something that I adapted from a a church leader in in New York City. His name is John Tyson. And this is something that I adapted and and I asked myself, uh, what does the gospel look like here in our city of Singapore? No, I, I'm simply put, right, um, if I ask you today, what is the good news for the sick? You would tell me that it would be healing and health. For somebody with flu, it's like restoration, less, you know. Freedom from the trapdoors of plague. For the oppressed, it was freedom from the torments of the legions. For Jairus, the ruler, it was healing for his daughter. For the, for, for the woman with the issue of blood, it was healing and freedom from shame. For Zacchaeus, it was breaking the opinions of men over him. To the successful privileged elite, the good news means that you're not valued for your performance, your education, your skills, your achievements, your position. There is nothing that you can do to impress God. His righteousness is a gift. You are no better off in the sight of God than the lazy, uneducated bum who couldn't care less about affluence, education, or status. You don't have to prove yourself and you are not loved for what you have done. To the poor and the marginalized, you are not excluded from the favor of God because you lack education, affluence, and power. You are not forgotten. You are loved where you are at. In fact, your lowly position may even be an advantage for you as you hunger for the grace of God over your life. You are not unloved for what you have not done. And that might be liberating for, for many. To the secular humanist, I remember that one. <laughs> hey. The good news is that your atheism does not eliminate the reality of God. Come on. 
the claims of the Creator and the call of the Savior are still for you, even in your unbelief. The secular well is empty and your thirst continues. And today, Jesus invites you to drink from His river of life. To the, to the struggling creative, hey, hold up. Your creative matters. Your creativity matters. And God wants to redeem it. Rather than reduce it, God views humanity as the ultimate canvas of life. And the work of transformation is a stunning installation of the human story. Come on. The tired religious person. Hello, that's me. The good news is the gospel is not a formula but a person. Jesus also challenged the disappointing intuitions that you challenge and the angst and resistance in your heart is a very good sign of life. Come on. Jesus was the master of deconstruction and wants to tear away the deadness in you and replace it with life. Stop following laws. Start following Jesus. I'm preaching to myself today. To the one who pursues pleasure. Oh, I feel like I'm just falling under all of these categories. To the one who pursues pleasure, the good news is that your search for pleasure is not wrong. But misguided in his, in his presence is fullness of joy. God wants to fulfill your pleasure and not frustrate it. The good news is that nothing that you try will ever make you satisfied until you try the Lord most high. Hey, I'm learning. <laughs> and last one to the hipsters. <laughs> to the hipsters. The good news is that God loves you anyway. Amen. <laughs> Alright, God loves your sunnies. Not your sunny people. God loves your avocado toast and your muffins. And your class pass. It's all good. <laughs> How many of you feel like you fall under some of those categories like me? That, yeah? Yeah? The good news for Singapore. The good news for Singapore is that each, like we are made up of so many different kind of communities. Different, uh, it's a multicultural society that we live in and, 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 and just diff people in different ways of life, different pockets of life. And the good news is holistic. It is for now, not just for later. And the good news for Singapore is that you are being made new. Personalized communities, institutions, systems, societies, you are being made new. And you are being restored. See, the good news of God establishes the kingdom of God. The preaching of the gospel is oftentimes tied to the kingdom of God. And the, the, the gospel is often... Oh, I, did, I wrote that twice. There is hope because we are no longer subjected to the kingdom here on the earth, but we are subjected to an everlasting kingdom, a kingdom that has no end. We, we do not just serve a government today, but we serve a king and a king that... that, that you know... What's amazing about our king is that he did not just reign over us. He does not just reign over us, but he first sacrificed himself. It's such an upside-down kingdom. It's totally opposite of what a, a, a kingdom would look like. 
A, a king whose demonstration of love established the pathway for us to walk in his likeness, to carry his kingdom DNA, his kingdom uh, value, his kingdom ways of life into our homes, into our workplaces, into our schools, into our society, and to establish it until he returns. Because our king is returning. Amen? Come on, let's give a shout of praise to God. Come on. Once you, our king is returning. So, is there a need for the gospel in Singapore? Yes, but how? Will, what will it look like? See, despite of all the ready available solutions, can I tell you that today, if you go to go to Kinokuniya? I mean, I love bookstores. I, I, I miss borders when they were around. Um, but if you were to go to bookstores, like maybe just skip back 10 years ago, um, when you walk in, you will have a small portion of the entire bookstore that is called self-help. And then the rest of it is just like literacy, like lit literacy, right? Like all these different like stuff. Uh, literature, you got sci-fi, you've got all these different other stuff, and you got this small corner called self-help. Today, when you walk into Kinokuniya, the first thing that they still sell today to you is, who moved my cheese? <laughs> all right, all the old, if, if you're, you're old enough, you know you laugh at this joke, right? But, <laughs> but seriously, when you, and today, the sales for self-help books have increased so much that it makes up 80% of the sales in any bookstore, and 20% of it goes into literature. I might be wrong about the stats, but, you know, <laughs> go search it out. <laughs> I mean, like, let's be honest, like, I don't do 80%. I mean, like, I mean, they make up a really big, big percent, but I just write something I read a long time ago. I'm sorry. I'm just going to, like, be honest on this pulpit. <laughs> but, take my word, go to Kinokuniya after this, and you will walk in on some self-help books and every turn that you make. Even with all of these initiatives to help us become better, even with all these initiatives to help us notice the broken and the disenfranchised, the growing need for healings, for miracles, for restoration, for discipleship, for the saving grace of Jesus is ever more in need right now. The lost and the lonely looks for a light to guide their path. The early drinkers and the late light drunkards are still looking for communities to feel belong. Because I was there once. If, if you come here on a Saturday, and, and so we, we end youth quite late sometimes. I'm sorry, parents. But like we, we finish about like 7, you know. We go for dinner at 7. And then by the time we're done, we need to clear up church. So Tim and I do the, 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 the clearing and make sure that everything is cool when we come back in. I'll usually, we usually leave at like 10, if, when I leave at like 9 plus 10, I would come, I would walk to the train station and people who are ready to party you will just be streaming up. And do you know that this area is now one of the more happening areas of Singapore? Like no longer Circular Street. Circular Street is like, Circular Street is no, like something of the old man. Today, the party is in Teluk Aye. Come on. This is a call for us as a church on a Saturday night. 
to bring the party into this house. Not the party there. Alright, but the party, man. Come on. I'm talking to us young adults. I'm talking to us uh, families. Uh, I mean, not really families. Don't come out at Saturday night to come and party. But the young adults, come on. You all will know at least one person that is partying here on a weekday night, on a Saturday night. I was walking to Wee Bar. Don't ask me why. I was walking down to Wee Bar at Teluk Ayer with Therese because she left something there. And then I was, as I was walking by down the street, I saw just pubs after pubs after pubs. And this is like 6 p.m., right? And everybody's drinking. Everybody's having a good time. And I asked myself, what does the gospel look like? And what change are we making as the city family here in CBD? It's a high call. It's a tall order. But man, I, I want us to dream. Because this, this place has to be a, a, a light on the hill. Our church has to be a community that is available for the lost. Amen? Families. Man, this is one of the most central places and the best. We have one of the best like Sunday school ministries here on the, in Singapore. I'm not going to say Planet of the Earth, but, but here in Singapore, we have one of the best like Sunday schools. Uh, and, and the teachers work really hard. And families... We all know other families who are in need of help, who are in need of just, how do I get my kids? You know, that's what I always say to my, my, I, I hear from parents like, oh, I don't know what to do with this guy. Like, you know, I hope he turns out fine. <laughs> Bring them here. Come on. Schools, lives of young people. This is a place. We are placed in the most central part of, of Singapore for a reason because we are called to be a light. See, there's a call and a grace over our lives. And, and over our church, I've talked about the church part. Now I'll talk about the lies part. You, all right? Fingers pointing yourself, all right? Here, this boy. I believe that each and every one of us are placed in a specific area of society for a specific reason. I've almost never... Uh, uh, you see, I will never find myself on a yacht on a Saturday afternoon having champagne. But you will, you know? <laughs> I won't. I will be here with my bunch of boys and my bunch of girls, you know, and we'll be like parting our heart here, but, you know, that's not my life, but that's your life, and if you are on that yacht, you have a call of God over your life to bring the gospel of God to your friends. The truth is, they are always searching, right? Everybody's always searching. Even when you found it, you're still searching. I don't get it. But, <laughs> see, the same way you will never find yourself like me sitting in a Thai club in the middle of the night waiting for somebody to, like, get not so drunk and then, like, to, like, make sure that the person will go home. I mean, that's my, I won't, I won't boast about it, but it is what calls upon you. Some of you will, will find the opportunity to sit with homemakers. You will have the opportunity to sit with fellow teachers. Hello, teachers. Sit with students, tax officers, creatives, PR agencies, celebrities. You name it, you have it. You are placed in your position for a reason and stop asking God, when do I move? You are placed there until He tells you to move. And you have a call and a grace over your life for that specific reason. Come on, somebody say, Amen. Amen. Come on. Everybody still feeling okay? A little shaken? No? Shaken, not stirred. Okay? 
I'm a, this is a, the closing, the landing of the plane. I'm going to give you some tools for carrying the gospel. I like to use the, the more traditional term. Here are some tools to be a herald of good news. What? Amazing, right? You have British English. Herald. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just... During an age that we call a secular age, an age of anxiety, a, cultural, a culture of narcissism, can the gospel still survive today? In an age where our sense of spiritual possibility, transcendence, and the presence of God is drained out of us, a spiritual desert, most of us start our week complaining, like, God, where are you? Right? Like, God, I can't do this on my own. Like, and the Christians face the temptations to accept the dryness of that desert as the only possible world. Can the gospel still survive today? These are some tools that I've learned in my time in, uh, in, on, on a mission training school in Mozambique. Uh, it's called Irish Ministries. I don't talk about it a lot because... Uh, I feel like it's like, you know, this badge of honor that you wear, then people are like, oh, Excel from Iris. Now I'm like, dude, I just did three months, man. Come on. Like, don't call me Excel from Iris. I spent three months. I didn't do three years. I wasn't even born there. But, you know, and it came to a point where I, I totally, like, tried to, like, not associate myself with Iris at all. I would not attend any, like, Iris night <laughs> meeting. I realized this is life. All right. <laughs> and, but these are values that I've learned that have become part and a, a, a part of my life, it becomes valuable pillars in which, I ca- in, in which I carry my life and I, w- I just want to share it with you today and hopefully at the end we will all be encouraged. Shall we? Alright, first one. Up. Abide in Him. That's nothing new. Right, the, 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 the famous, the, the well-known scripture is, As the Father loved me, I have also loved you in John 15, right? In John 15, it says that, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you, and abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment, and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment and you, that you will love one another just as I have loved you. This is essentially the very heart of the gospel. Because if today you, you say, man, I'm going to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth and you don't know how to abide in him, hold up, boy, sit down. Stay humble. <laughs> For real. Like, you will burn out. You will be so angry with yourself. You will be so disillusioned with the things of the kingdom of God because the thing is this. The, Jesus never did anything that the Father did not call him to do. And he was abiding in the Father. He was full of the Spirit of God and he was listening all the time. And in this same way, he calls us to abide in him. And my favorite part is that your joy, that my joy may remain in you, that, may, that your joy may be full. Oftentimes we think about gospel being this really sad one. This like, uh, I hate it. I, like, I got to do it because it's my mission. Man, I don't want your gospel if it's so sad. See, the thing is when we come into an encounter with Jesus, yes, we cry, but it's, cry, it's like tears of joy. 
Like, coach, all this bad stuff are leaving you. And I'm like, man, I'm so free. I'm like, Ugh. right? Because, like, I'm crying because he hurts me so much. Uh. It's not like you're crying because you watch a Korean drama. That's a different kind of cry. See, the joy part is so important and we oftentimes forget that we have to abide in Him that His joy may be our joy and our joy will be full. And this is His commandment that we love one another as I have. He has loved us first. See, we must understand the gospel is an overflow of our internal life with the Lord. This is a partnership with the Holy Spirit to see the transformational power of Christ established in the life around us. Spirituality is love. It's not this like, it's not this like, you know, like you chanting or stuff like that. I just don't know why we have such a mentality of it. It's not supposed to be boring. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be full of joy. And I'm excited about the series that Andre is going to be bringing us next nine weeks about spiritual practices. And I hope that in these nine weeks of like practicing those practices, that you will have, find joy in, in loving God. Because if God is not fun to love and you don't enjoy loving Him, then there is something wrong in the equation. And, and if you don't fix the equation, man, I don't know. <laughs> like, it should be fun. It should be, it should be love. It should be enjoyable. It should be, it should be a relationship. Can you imagine being in a relationship with somebody that you don't enjoy? Everybody around you will tell you to break up. Come on. Reaccess your relationship with Jesus today. See, this gospel is not a gospel of strife, but a gospel of grace. As we grow more in love with God, our hearts begin to be filled up and we are naturally inclined to share the love of God. Nobody, have you ever met somebody who just got together and all their whole Instagram is just photos of one another? And all they talk about is like, you know my girlfriend, right? Like, she's so cute. That's me. Yep. My girlfriend is so cute. I cannot deal. Oh my goodness. Oh, right. Okay, back to this. See, when we start to overflow with his love, we start to talk with his love. And when we start to talk with his love, we walk in his love. And he overflows to those around us. If you haven't got this set in, stay humble, sit down, get that fixed, all right? Because the next three, it's something that you need to, like the next two things, it's, things that you need to work on, but this one, just work on this one first. In our be- and, 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 and so I also thought about this, right? Oftentimes we hear a, a good sermon and we oftentimes I wonder, how do I practice this in my life? And I thought about it. Hey, this is something that I practice I, when I, as, as often as I try to remember to do it. In our busy day today, how do we abide in God, right? Brother Lawrence calls it the practicing of the presence of God. It is an effort to fill our minds constantly with the knowledge of God's presence. How many of you read that book before? How many of you finished that book before? Oh, hold up. Come on, let's take your name. Nobody's ever finished that book. I don't know why. <laughs> Everybody I talk to is like, nope, just like, you know, you read like the first chapter, then you're done. Kind of, you kind of get the deal. Uh, so I want to share with you a practical aspect of what to do. And, uh, and sometimes we try this in our youth ministry as well. And it's a simple gesture of choosing to set time aside to discover God. So I call these pathways because Jesus has set the pathway for us. And, uh, and, and so these are two things that I, w- I want to I wanna encourage us. I know this is like fundamental, but set aside time to be with the Lord and to protect what is precious to you. You see, if today your family is precious to you, you will protect it with your life. 
So same thing with your relationship with God. It should be something that is precious. So there are three steps, okay? If you're taking notes, take this. First, close your eyes. Okay, don't close your eyes now. Of course not. That's how you go, right? Okay, close your eyes. Second, ask for God to be close to you, breathe life into you, and to fix your focus on His presence. All right? That's step number two. And step three is take deep breath and rest in God. This will take as much as while you're peeing. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know if you're not allowed to say peeing. But yeah, you know, while you're like in, the, in the washroom or you're in your, in your shower, just about before you go to bed, I like to practice this on the commute. All right? So on the commute, oftentimes it is easy to just scroll Instagram and like, you know, reply emails. But on the commute, sometimes... And don't do this when you're driving, okay? This is really, don't. <laughs> just take time, slow down, take deep breaths, and ask for God to just fill your heart, just to fill your mind, just to abide in Him. This is a practice that brings my heart, mind, and body back into an awareness of God's presence. You know, if there's something that I can encourage you to do, family members, uh, adults, set aside time on the weekends, on your day-to-day to be with the Lord, Call it your date time with Jesus. Put it on the calendar. Your wife will understand. Your husband will understand. And, and uh, Tim, can I share this? But okay, on, 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 <laughs> on Tim's rest day, sometimes he takes the hammock and he goes to East Coast Park and then he sets up a hammock and then he rests in the Lord. This is amazing. What a man, man. Tim. <laughs> He pre- protect the, 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 the time that you, ha- you get to be with the Lord. Protect what is precious to you. All right, I'm moving on quickly. I've got eight minutes. Let's go. All right, point number two is go lower still. For most of us, when we reach out to people, it's going lower, you know, to them and, and to understand them. And, and for, for most of us, it's like taking us ourselves out of a comfortable... It, it does have a cost, you know. It's either your time, your money, your efforts, your heart. But I want to encourage us to go lower still. Because some of, the, some of us, like me, you are just stuck with your Christianese. Hey, learned some new words recently. Do you know how to, we all know how to wear the right Christian clothes, raise our hands at the right time, but deep inside, we're slowly dying. If that is you, if you're not just like me, you have hit the hurdle of faith. Why do I call it the hurdle of faith? Because this is the part where you jump over and share the gospel of, of, of the Lord. <laughs> this is as, it was nicer in my head than, than, than I had preached it out. <laughs> See, what is missing in most of our walk with Jesus is the part about sharing Jesus' love. It's true. And, and when, if, if you think of this like a cycle, right? Most of us would encounter the love of God, be transformed, and then share the love, and then get stuck here, right? And then we just like, get stuck here all the time, and we don't actually move into a full cycle. And, we, and it's impossible to move into... And, and if, if you keep getting filled, filled with the love of God, but you don't share it, you end up becoming like a dead sea. You know, because all of it is just coming in, but you're not going out at all, and you're just getting stuck. So here are three points on how you can lower yourself. One, lower yourself. <laughs> Take time to sit with the lonely, the homeless, the broken. Offer your ear, offer your prayers, offer your, offer your heart. For me, it's like learning to be okay when people like share their heart and it's like them complaining. And just to me, it's just like, I've got solutions for you, brother. 
But sometimes they don't need solutions, they just need you to sit with them. And sometimes it's like 3, 2 a.m. calls to sit with somebody uh, downstairs the void deck to hear their hearts. And, and it might not look like it's transforming anything, but trust me, God's in the, in the process of that. Number two, learn the language. As Christians, we can be often caught up with, the, with our ways of life and we don't reali- and, and, we, and we we're caught up with our own Christianese that we don't realize that Jesus ate with tax collectors and he knew their language. You know, the truth is like, you know, when we, we the people in the synagogue, they talk in a certain way and the people who sit at the coffee shop and they eat, they talk in a certain way. We need to learn the language. We need to learn how to speak like a local. We need to learn how to speak like, you, you know, if I, yeah, it's just, just learn the language, man. Learn the language. Don't know what it looks like. Just sit in a coffee sh- like sit in the place that you want to reach out to and just listen and just hear how they speak and, 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 and learn what's on the heart of, of these people. And, and you will realize there is, a sh- there is a thread that runs through them because there is a commonality that they are sitting around with. But yet you, with Christ in you, is that hope of glory that they, they are looking for. Everybody get it? All right, three. Really simple, partner with God. Ask the Lord what He desires to do and take that step of faith. Easier said than done. There was a period of my life where I was really scared to hear from God. No, for real. Like, I would like say, God, oh, I just want to hear from you. And then he's like, you ready? Now I'm like, no, 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 no. Because I would be walking, I would be sitting in the, in, in the bus and I would say, God, would you just tell me what you're up to today? Then he's like, in front of you, there's a guy, he just recently went bankrupt. I was like, nah. I want to hear what you are doing in my life, Lord. <laughs> are we really re- ready to hear from God? Because if it requires a sacrifice. It requires you to take a step of faith. And sometimes when I step out and I say, hey, do you just like, you know, do you need this in your life? The person like, no. They're like, oh, cool. <laughs> cool, bro. Take care. <laughs> See, as Christians, one of the things that we often do is want to fix people because we have great solutions. We have the solution, Jesus. But we realize that in his, in his, in his way of, in, his, in the gospel, in his time of ministry, he, out of the many lepers that he healed, only one came back. No, it, it's like the, we're not here to con, like, convert people. See, people are not people that, they, they don't need fixing. And if there's something that youth ministry has taught me is that, you know, we have like young people who have come and joined our youth ministry for like a year before they receive Jesus. Is it because we don't preach the gospel to them? We know we just preach the gospel. We, we share it with them, but we have, there's no pressure for you to like, you receive Jesus now, you're not going to go to hell. Yes, that's true, but, but they will know our love by the way we, like, you know, we just how we sit and wait with them. Uh, my, my, my girlfriend puts it really well. He said, people are not items that need fixing. They just need feeling. Yep, come on. <laughs> and the last point, it's expect miracles. Come on. You're expecting me to sing the I believe in. Uh, not happening today. But see, signs and wonders are often closely knitted to the call of faith, and faith precedes the miracle, and faith is also the effect of miracles. Surrounding the miracle is, and on the inside of the miracle is, is, this, is this word called faith. 
and, and miracles represent our absolute dependence on Him, and it requires our step of faith to believe and also for the person to be healed. Much can be talked about miracles. Okay, I'm not seeing. All right, this part where it says, uh, There can be miracles when you believe, though hope is frail. It's hard to kill. And that's the truth, right? Miracles create this idea of hope, a idea of a, 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 a life beyond uh, the, 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 the confines of our human body. And, 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 and miracles give us hope. It gives us faith. It gives us a, 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 a way out. And Jesus' ministry was surrounded by miracles in which they knew that not even a prophet could do, and the apostles depended on miracles. Revivers were littered with stories of healing and restoration. And the only thing we can see a miracle is to firstly step out and pray with, uh, with faith for healings. All miracles point back to a miracle healing God. But see, not all miracles are what we see them as they to be, right? Some, sometimes we, we, we expect healing, we expect breakthroughs, but sometimes... And the, the truth is the biggest miracle that all of us can ever receive is the miracle of salvation. And that brings me to my practical step, the pathway. As a, as a, as a miracle-believing community, my charge to you is this. Would you commit yourself to pray for someone's breakthrough even when they don't happen, even when they happen, even post what they happen, would you commit yourself to praying for somebody and would you start to see that miracle happen? Because when we are intently, we, we don't see what we, we don't notice what we don't, we don't see what we don't notice. Yeah, we, you know, if we were not paying attention to something, we don't really notice that these things are happening and all around us, in each and every one of our lives, it's a, it's a story of miracles that have happened. And what, when, as you look to your left and your right today, you are sitting beside somebody who has had a miracle happen, who, is, who has had a breakthrough, and, and, and is a person of a, of, 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 of a, a hero of the faith. So commit yourself to praying for someone's breakthrough. These are my three points to encourage you to, to bring the gospel into the world. And with this, I want to end, right? When we first started the youth ministry, we started with 12 Sunday school kids. I will not use the word disgruntled. <laughs> they were a bit lost. Uh, they were really cute. I remember our first outreach. I think there were like four or five kids that came, and all of them were Christians. <laughs> and then I remember asking one of the youth, I said, hey, why don't you bring everybody from Christians? They said, oh, but this church, ma." I said, what? <laughs> Today we have two cell groups with more than 50% of them being first-time, first-generation believers. Okay, let's try that again. Today we have two cell groups with more than 50% of our youth being first-generation Christians. Come on. And this cannot be done without the heroes that you see, see behind. Sometimes they, you know, they just like, oh, I'm scrolling my phone. And I'm just like, uh, worship. Like, you know, until today, one of my greatest tasks is to see them lift their hands. I don't know why this generation don't lift their hands, but we're getting there. 
and, and these guys are the heroes because these guys are the ones that are in school. It's like, hey, you want to come for my party? You want to come for my party? You want to, know, want to come for, like, oh, we're going to play badminton later. You want to come? And these are the guys who are the, the real heroes. Like what Tim and I the, and, and Derek and, and Chiang and the leaders do is just basically turn up. And, but these guys are the ones who are in their school sharing the, the love of God through acts of love. They, they pack uh, goodie bags on, on Valentine's Day on, during study period, uh, exam periods and they give out to, those, to their friends. They bring their whole cliques to, to our parties. And I, I just have the easy job of preaching the gospel. But they have the hard part of, just br- of bringing the friends. And people ask me, like, why do you spend every Saturday... Uh, uh, with, with, your, with young people, like you're like 29, you know, in the words of Melody, you're very old, you're like Chico Pei. <laughs> and you, know, you turn down jobs from, uh, and, 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 and I turn down jobs and, and, I, and then I, I spend my time with young people every Saturday. It's not a, it's not a program from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Most of us come here earlier to set up, our young people come here to set up, to prepare their hearts, to this does not even include the weekday prayer meetings, the, the camp plannings, the, all this stuff. I'm not here to promote myself. I'm here to encourage you. Because at 17 years old, I was inspired by uh, a community of people that I was, I, I was, I, I come to know uh, it, that Pastor Daniel was leading at a point in time. And these people really love God and they really love people. And I remember at my 17-year-old birthday, I, I, at the middle of the night, I, I, I sat down and I said, God, if you're a God that created me and you give birthday gifts, then... Yeah, I know. You should ask for God for birthday gifts. It works. And I said, God, I want a burden for my generation. And I was like, that sounds real cool, man. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, okay, you know. Uh, like, I went out, do whatever, and I came back. I was like, you know, I thought there was supposed to be like a superpower thing that happens. And suddenly, like, wait, of the world on your shoulders. And I just knelt down and I said, God, I want a burden for my generation. And next thing, I was shrunk down on the ground as though like a, 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 somebody was sitting on my chest. And, it was the, and I, all I could hear was the devil's voice saying, do you want this all for your own glory? And I said, no, God, I, just, I want this for you, God. I want to carry the burden for my generation. I want to do this for you, God. And, and immediately that voice broke over. I mean, I was scared still, man. I was like, I was crying. I was like, no, don't, don't do anything to me. <laughs> but immediately my response to that, to that statement was, it was that. And, and, you know, at 17 years old, your intentions are, all, are, are, are true. <laughs> uh, it was a bit mixed, let's be honest. <laughs> but man, I, I said those prayers. But today is my privilege to carry those burdens and to establish His kingdom here on the earth. And I don't think that's only my call. That's really like, just not, it's not only my call, man. That's, that's all of our calls. That's all of our, our jobs. You know, the places that you get to go, I will never get to go. The people that you talk to, I will never get to talk to. See, I haven't missed out anything on my Saturdays being with my youth. I've, never, I've not missed out anything on those weekday nights that I spend on His kingdom because He is my joy. And this is the very heart of the Father. Oh, we should be in, can get you on stage. This is the heart of the Father, that His children, 
that his children come home. That we receive the joy in loving him. See, in the same way that you have encountered the Lord and that joy, that breakthrough, that freedom that you have, man, imagine that for the people around you. I know they might seem that to like say, I don't want any of your gospel. But if you live a life that is worthy for them to say, man, I look at you and you are never tired. You are never like angry and grumbling and you are just like, you're just, you're just a different kind of human being. That's an opportunity for us to say, hey, this is a real thing. He is on the heart of the Father when He sent His Son. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And I just find that, you know, the Bible is hilarious. In John 3, 16 and 17, it writes that. And in 1 John 3, 16 and 17, it commands us to do likewise. By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and see his brother in need and shut up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? See, family, can I get you to just stand to your feet today? See, the gospel is on the, uh, it's on the very heart of God. It is His agenda, it is His desire to see His kingdom established on the earth. We pray this just now. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the gospel is spreading across the earth. And the gospel is still alive today. In order to bring the gospel out to the earth, we must first allow the gospel to live in us. In order to be a herald of good news, we must first be encounter the very good news. That good news must work in us. It must, it must come alive in us. This good news is on the heart of the Father.